Imagine your words today. I want to get you to thinking about imagining your words, your words, what your words mean to you, what God's word means to us, and imagine those things, right? So, but first I want to start off with, what did you bring to church with you tonight? We talked about, to talk to our teachers about this on Friday night. What did you bring with you this morning? I can tell that somebody's bringing some supply this morning because the spirit's in the house. First off, I want to start with that. But what did you bring today? Many of you might say, well, I brought my Bible, Pastor. I got my Bible. I got a highlighter. Amen. I got, I got my notebook. I'm ready to take some notes. I got my phone. Turn that off, by the way, now. I got my phone. I brought my supply. Some of you all brought some supply, right? I brought some expectations with me, Pastor. I'm expecting something this morning. I'm expecting to, get, to have an encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm expecting to come in here and, and, and sense God's tangible anointing. Yes. Amen. I'm expecting some answers in my life, right? Yeah. What about your heart? Did you come with your heart that's open and ready to receive? Yes. Or have you not given it much thought? You just showed up this morning. We have to come with a heart that's open and ready to receive, right? God will say things... Pastor Brenda talked about this morning in the Sunday school class. God can say things to you that never came out of the preacher's mouth. He can give you revelations. I've heard preachers so many times, and God will give me a message that kind of is on that, but, but some were totally, it's still in the Word. You get what I'm saying? It's rooted in the Word. But, but he can give us revelations that, that the preacher never says when we're seated in the right house of God under the right pastor. Amen? It needs to be in your flow. But we've got to come expecting that. Come ready for that. Come ready to, to, to hook up to the word of God. Come ready that God can challenge you to grow you and change you. Did you come for that this morning to get change in your life, to receive change, right? If you're interested, you got to be interested. If you're more interested in social media and looking at your phone, well, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get about 30 minutes of Facebook time this morning. Amen? Or, or whatever it is you do on there. So you got to be interested. you got to come ready to, to, to hook up, right? To hook, up to, to hook up to what the, the preacher's preaching about, to what, to what the Sunday school teacher's teaching about, right? Ready to respond. Now, respond, doesn't, this doesn't mean amen, hallelujah, yeah. That's good to respond in your words because we're saying, yes, I agree with that, and I receive that, and I'm going to take that and apply it to my life. But you have to be able to receive it in your heart. Yes. Amen. You have to come with your heart ready to receive your heart softened. Amen. And, and I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir this morning because many of you are because I can tell that you brought your, you brought your supply this morning, right? So let's get on to your words. Yeah. Imagine your words. What you say affects every arena of your life. We, we used to say messy Jesse because Jesse would create a diversion just so he could go over and tear something else up. He, w- he would walk over by you and knock your drink over so when you were knocking your drink over or when you were cleaning your drink up, he could go get up on top of the refrigerator, whatever he wanted to do. He didn't tell me he did that, but I was assuming he did that by, he, looked, he was like the, the Tasmanian devil, remember that cartoon? Just went around the room just te- tearing things up. So we nicknamed him Messy Jesse. So when you begin to think about, we're calling him Messy Jesse, we get more of what we're speaking about Jesse. So he just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, right? Imagine your words in action now. So we're calling, and we should know better than this as the pastor of the church, right? Calling this little boy Messy Jesse. We stopped calling him Messy Jesse when we realized the error of our ways, and we started Telling him how, how great the peace of our children is and how they'll be taught of the Lord all the, all the days of their life. Amen. And, and we started speaking word over him. And Jesse started chilling out a little bit. Yeah. Amen. Now, you might not be saying, Messy Jesse, to your children, David, but you might be saying, My husband is so sloppy, I can't stand it how he throws this stuff around. He's got his clothes out. My, my, my garage is full of car parts and Corvette parts and pickup motors. And I'm taking words out of my wife's mouth this morning. What are you getting? What are you getting, though, when you're speaking those things over your husband or, or, or your wife or your, your finances or whatever the arena is? What are you getting when you're speaking those things? 
What are you doing to change? Are you happy with where that is? If your husband is messy or you got a messy Jesse and you're not happy with where they're at, is speaking that over them going to help them? Is it going to change the matter at all, right? If your body has symptoms and I say, oh, my back is just killing me. What am I saying? Imagine your words in action. What are you getting out of those words? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we walk in this earth suit. We walk in this body, right? I walk around this body. I have to walk around this body or I can't stay in this place. You follow what I'm saying? Because the, the, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when my spirit, my soul come out of this body, I'm going to be with God. Or you're going to hell, whichever you, whichever you prepared them to go to. But I have to walk in this body. So though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I don't war after things that this flesh knows or the things that man's created or man's devices or man's way of doing things. That's not how I do battle. You follow what I'm saying? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through God, has to be through God, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This word strongholds right here in the Greek means a castle, a stronghold, a fortress, um, fastness, anything on which one relies. The second meaning is of the arguments and reasonings by which a, a, a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against the opponent. So the enemy wants to get in our mind. And, and, and so many of us have allowed him in our mind because that's where our words come from, right? Our imaginations, they come from our mind. So many of us have allowed him to run roughshod over our mind for so long. It's like a castle, a castle that's built up. You ever seen the notches in the top of the castle? That's so they could get up there and shoot out those notches in the top of the castle without being shot, right? So many times our, the, the enemy has been fortified into our mind so much that we think those thoughts are our thoughts a lot of times. Amen? Now think about this. And casting down imaginations, verse 5 says, casting down imaginations in the King James, it says, this word Imaginations means a reasoning such as is hostile to the Christian faith. That's in the Greek. The enemy wants to give us imaginations that are hostile. You follow what I'm saying? To the Christian faith. So he wants to get us to speak the things. Imagine your words. Amen. Imagination in in the secular dictionary means a, a, a faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of, of external objects not present to the senses. So I could say it's kind of like this projector. It's projecting this picture on the wall. Now this picture is not really there. If we turn the projector off, it's just a white wall. But you can see the image there in place where there's not really an image there. So you can imagine your imagination. I can see mental images, things that words you might say might paint a mental picture. Past experiences can paint a mental picture. You see what I'm saying? You can just close your eyes and imagine that I'm outside on the, on the bank of the river on a summer day and there's flowers in the grass and you can paint a picture of that and you can see that mental image. You follow what I'm saying? Casting down those imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's trying to rise itself against the knowledge of God? Satan's trying to put images on your picture screen. He's trying to put images on your imagination to show you what the world's standards would look like in your life, what his thoughts look like in your life. Amen? He's trying to put pressure on you against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? It's his word. It's our relationship. So when we're, when we're speaking, when we, when we put the word, God, I believe that God gave us our imagination so that he could show us what his word would look like in our life so that I can look at this picture screen, I can read his word, and I can say, oh, yeah, God, that's good. 
I like the way that looks on there. I love the way that looks on there, God. But the enemy at the same time is trying to put images on my picture screen of what his words look like, of how he's taken God's word and perverted it and twisted it, right? So we're supposed to cast down the imaginations that, that of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if it's not an image of what God's word has put on our picture screen, what are you supposed to do with it? Cast it down, right? How do you do that? And bringing every thought into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. How do we cast it down? With your words, with your authority, right? Amen. I believe he gave us that imagination just for that so he can show us his plans and his promises. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that looking at your imagination now? Just, just think about that for a minute. Looking at your imagination, that picture screen inside your mind, and seeing what God's word says you are. It's kind of like looking into a mirror. When I know what God's word says and I, and I close my eyes and I can imagine blessed. I can imagine healed. I can imagine whole. Amen. I can imagine the righteousness of God. The sin that I committed before is not even charged to me anymore. Nowhere near me. I'm not guilty of that anymore. Because who the Son of God has set free is free indeed. Imagine that. Can you see that? Can you see that? It's, it, it's like when we look into the Word of God, we look into the mirror and we imagine that on our lives, right? Now, here's one I know you can imagine. I know you can imagine what it feels like not to have enough money. Don't get quiet right there. Everybody's experienced it. Most everybody, I think, in the room has experienced it. I've experienced it more than once. Imagine what it feels like not to have enough money, right? Your bank account and your, and your bank account and your bills are becoming due. I got bills due and I don't know how I'm going to pay them. You see what I'm saying? What happens then? You start to fear. Anxiety is fear. Worry is fear. You start to fear. You start to worry. You start to stress. Many of you are seeing this in your imagination right now because you've experienced it. You have past experience with this, right? You become overwhelmed, right? But just by me saying these words, you can, you, can, you can start to imagine those things. Now, I don't want to stay here very long because I like to imagine the other side of what God gave us the imagination for. Amen? It troubles your imagination, though, right? You know what that's like to be there. And you can imagine that again, right? You're imagining it right now. Probably many of us are. But what does God say? What does God say? That's a holy but right there. But what does God say? What does God say? In Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the same God who paves the streets with gold. Amen. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now imagine that. Imagine that part. Imagine that. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to, to the power that works in, in us. What's the power that works in us? The Spirit of God, right? The Holy Ghost lives inside of me. According to the power of the Holy Ghost, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could even ask or think. Now think about that. All that I could ask, or I could ask big. I could ask big. Imagine that. Put that on your, on your screen. Imagine that. These are two opposite ends of the spectrum, these two pictures I just painted for you. Lack, doubt, fear, sickness. You get what I'm saying? Depression. And on and on and on, fill in the blank. Or what God's word says. Two totally opposite ends of the spectrum. What the enemy wants to put on your imagination and what God created your imagination for. Yes. Amen? Yes. Two totally different ends of the spectrum. Yes. 
Now think about this. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about what the enemy's putting on our imagination? Or do you want to talk about what God's word says about our imagination? Think about that. We've been talking about finances here in, in these scriptures, but this works in every arena of your life. Every arena in your life, right? Look at your health. Do you have a pain? You Google it. That's what we do most of the time, right? We have a pain. We get out our Googler. And we, I don't have my Googler on me. We get it out and we start Googling it and we, and we read some stuff and then we start to get scared. Amen? Oh, Lord. What, what about this could be this and that could be that, right? Google has you dying in just a matter of moments. Amen? Fear sets in. Fear sets in right after that. But what does God's word say? But what does God's word say, right? We can go off and imagine about our health, but what does God's word say? 1 Peter 2.24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body. He took the sins away, right? On, on a tree that we, being dead to sin, sin don't even know I exist anymore. You follow what I'm saying? That's how righteous I am. Sin doesn't even realize that I exist anymore. I'm dead to sin. I don't owe sin a thing. Amen. The enemy's going to keep coming back and trying to get me to give in to it, but I don't know that thing a thing. Should live unto righteousness. So if I have the righteousness of God on me, I should live unto righteousness. But I'm talking about healthier. So let's get on to that part. By whose stripes ye were healed. You were healed. You were already healed. You don't have to pray for the healing and wait for it. It's already done. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid for it on the cross the same time he paid for your salvation. So many times we can believe for salvation, but we can't believe for a healing. He does give us some stipulations here, though. He says, first, he bears our sins. We've got to be saved. You can't receive what's in God's word if, you don't, if you're not in covenant with him. Amen? You need to be saved, right? Being dead to sin, you need to be separated from sin. You can't, be, you can't be flowing with sin and flowing with God. Church, that's just not going to work. And then expect to see, I just want to receive the last part of the sentence, Pastor. doesn't work that way. God won't be mocked. You hear what I'm saying? He will not be mocked. You can't use him. He's not a genie in a lamp, and you get to get what you want out of it and not live with the rest of it, right? And then it says you should live righteous, right? So that requires a permanent change. There must be a change in your life, right? The facts are subject to the truth. The fact might be that you have a pain, but the truth is God's word says, by whose stripes ye were healed. And when you start to quote those, that, that truth, the facts have to change. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the mud of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? It reminds me of Wednesday. Sister Brenda had some beans in her pocket, and she was throwing them out in front of her like seeds. That, that word bring forth, when you look it up in the Greek, it means to fling forward. So it's like if we have seeds, our words are seeds, and we're throwing them out in front of us on a path, we're going to come in contact with them again because we're going to continue down that path. We're going to come in contact with what our words are saying. Right. Amen? Imagine that. Imagine that. Out of the good treasure. How do you get treasure? Treasure is something that's stored up. You've got to put it in. It's what you love to do. It is what you love to do. You're putting in yourself whatever you want to put in yourself. Whether it's secular music, whether it's TV shows, horror. You get what I'm saying? Pornography. You're putting in what you want to put in. That's what you love. And that's what you're going to reap. Because you'll be flinging those forward. Or you're putting in the word of God. And a relationship with him. And that'll be what you're flinging forward. 
Your mouth will tell on you. Your mouth will tell you exactly where you're at. If you just listen to somebody talk for a while, they might not do it intentionally, but they'll tell you what their intentions are. They'll tell you where they're living at. You follow what I'm saying? They'll tell you right where they're at. And church, can I say that you're right where you want to be? Because God's word says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He's, he, he, he's asking you. He, he, he's asking you. He implores through other humans, asking you to just, just reach out to me, son. Just reach out to me, daughter. I want to pull you into me. I want to do it. I want to do it. All you got to do is reach out to me. So we're right where we want to be at, church. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So death represents doubt. Life here represents the word. And whoever you, whatever you love, whether, whether death or life, that's, that'll be your result. You'll eat the fruit of that. Whether it's death or life, doubt or the word, the world or the word, you're going to eat the fruit of that. Whichever one you love, right? Ever notice people who love drama? They have a lot of drama. You ever notice that? I'm going to tell on my dad he's not around anymore so he can't defend himself. But I've stayed at his house before, and him and his wife would wake up in the morning at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and they would gripe about everybody they knew. That's true, isn't it, Stephen? <laughs> and you were just wondering, laying there, acting like I'm asleep, wondering what's going to get on me. People that have that attitude have a lot of drama in their life because they talk about that. They magnify that, right? I love my dad, but I, I wish he could learn some of these things. I love my dad. But people that, that do that have a lot of it. Yeah. People that talk about sickness and fear and doubt all the time, well, the devil always gives them something to talk about. Right. Amen. But people that talk about the word all the time, yeah. they'll hang out with people that talk about the word. They don't want to hang out with the people in the other classes. Yeah. The people that want to talk about sickness and doubt and fear and lack and drama and all those things, they don't want to, they don't want to hang out with those people. You follow what I'm saying? So even if someone says they're a Christian... Choose your friends wisely. The proof's in the pudding. Amen. It says don't judge a man, but judge his fruit. I'm not going to judge you because I love you. But I can see the fruit that produces out of your life. By the words coming out of your mouth. By the actions that you're, that, that you're making, right? Can you imagine that, though? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If there was immediate payment for that verse right there, there will be payment for it. But if it was immediate, I believe it would change Christians entirely. Yeah. Amen. But can you imagine that? Death and life's in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, whichever one you love, you're going to eat the fruit thereof. Imagine that. Imagine that. Because that's the truth. That's a fact. It says it in the Word of God. It's a fact, right? <clears throat> you can imagine that. We, we, we think on what we put in us. Or what the enemy puts in us. What he puts in us, we allow him to put in us, though. He can't put anything on my imagination, my, my, my mental image, without me allowing it to be put there. Amen? Then we begin to talk about those things. We begin to speak about those things. Whatever we're putting, that, putting on there. Mark eleven twenty three says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. How are you going to say something to the mountain? You've got to have it in your mind first, right? Then it's got to come out your mouth, right? Whoever says this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart has to be combined with your faith, right? But believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. I'm not going to go real far into that. You all have heard that and heard that and heard that and heard that. Just because this stuff is familiar here doesn't mean you can discount it. Because I'm telling you what, we don't have it yet. I talk wrong on multiple days of the week. You get what I'm saying? And if you'd be honest, you do too. 
So we haven't arrived yet, so let's just look at this again and see if we can't get a little better at it. Amen? Can you imagine that, though? Just being able to speak to the mountain and it's cast in the sea. It's fact. God's word says it. Until we're operating in it to the fullness, we need to keep imagining it, thinking about it, meditating on it, getting in the word, right? If you can imagine that, we should talk like that. Talk like our words carry that kind of weight. Your words can lift up. Your words can kill. They can destroy or they can enhance. When I was a kid, I used to hear sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie. People can say things. People have said things to, 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 to some of us when we were children that still affect us to this day. Because of those words being put into place. Imagine that. Imagine the power of your words. Amen. The first time I saw this in the vision that God gave me about this, this church that we've been talking about, about the church growth and the people coming, the first time I saw it, this place was packed out. There were people out that side door. I don't know why they were there. They were all over the, the deck, down the sidewalk. They, they were out the side door. I don't know if they were coming in or going out. But there were just, I put the number 350 on it because it looked like 350 people to me. But there were so many people here. And the gifts were flowing. Everybody was flowing in, in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Everybody was in one mind and one accord. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that kind of church? What power she would have? Can you imagine that? Shouldn't we start to meditate on that? It's not just me. God's given that to, to multiple people. But when, when God gives the pastor a vision, the people should start imagining that with them. Amen? And talking like that. Those people, it's not that I want to build a number. These are our families. These are people that are snatched out of hell. You follow what I'm saying? These are your families, my families. And when that anointing begins to flow like that, when you got 350 people in one mind and one accord bringing their supply, that anointing is what's going to draw our families. I feel the Holy Ghost in that. The anoint, that anointing right there is what's going to see your loved ones saved. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Shouldn't we begin to talk like that? We must renew our mind. To think like God. Amen? Amen? Not like the world. God didn't say, it sure is dark out here. <laughs> Amen? He said, let there be light. Yeah. And there was. He didn't speak the things he didn't want. He spoke the things he did. Yes. Amen? Do you want to think like God? Yes. yes. Then take his thoughts. Yeah. His thoughts are his word. How can you take his word if you're not reading his word? How can you take his word if you're not getting it, meditating on it and keeping it in your mouth and speaking on it day and night? How can you take his word if you're not doing his word? How can you take it if we're not getting into the book? You follow what I'm saying? I'm not the only one that needs to get in the book here. We all do. Everybody needs to get in his book, right? Take his thoughts. Take his words and apply them, right? We want to renew our mind to think like him. Watch more TV. Put more posts on Facebook. Play more video games. No, it's about a daily applying the word. Church, we have to be hungry. If you're not putting something different on your imagination, all that's left is the things of the world to go on there. What the enemy wants to put on there, lust of the world, desires of the world, things I might want, 
hobbies, I, I keep doing this because I'm picturing a screen, hobbies that I might want to partake in, that's all that's left. If we're not putting the Word of God in, it's the things of the world. That's it. It's a daily application of the Word. That's how we renew our mind, a daily application of the Word. If you want to renew your mind, it takes a daily, a daily application of the Word. Daily. Not Tuesday, Wednesday, and Sunday. A daily application of the Word. And when you start getting the daily application of the Word, you'll get hungry for it. If you start eating ice cream six days a week, you know what? On the Sabbath, you're going to want an ice cream cone, Brother Dan. It's the truth. It takes discipline. It takes a daily application of the Word. And then you get past that dry place and you begin to get hungry for the Word, right? Remember what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman? He said, I can give you a water that you'll never thirst again. It's, it's the living water. I can give you living water that you can never thirst again. Amen? Water is a, is a type of the Spirit. Never thirst again. Thirst is a type of lack. Amen? Think about that. If we'll get into his word, a daily application of his word, worry is an attack on your joy. It's an attack on your peace. If he can move you out of your joy and out of your peace, the enemy I'm talking about, his goal is to get you to talk about it, get you to stay there longer in doubt, in lack of peace, right? Some of us, for, for some people, it becomes permanent. We just stay there. Yeah. Amen? Most of us are in and out of there. You get what I'm saying? But some people just stay there. We're wanting to move on to be that people that don't even get, let the devil put us back there. We're not going for that because we understand how you operate, Mr. Devil, and I'm not going back down that road again. Brenda talked about this morning. I'm, or Sister Brenda, I'm not going back down that road again. You're not taking me back to that dark place. I'm not going over there, and you can't make me because I have authority over you. Yeah. Amen? We have to renew our mind to this. We have to renew our mind to, to, to understand how our enemy operates, how he's going to come against us, how he's going to oppose us. And then we have to have God's word in us that we can imagine that, that we can begin to speak on that. You follow what I'm saying? Just start meditating on God's word. Imagining God's word in your life. <clears throat> so then we're going to say the truth. Right in his face. Amen. Say the truth. In the face of the facts. You get that? Say the truth in the face of the facts. Say what God's word says, no matter what it looks like, what it feels like, what everybody else says is going to happen, what your family history might be. I don't care about your family history. It's not that I don't care about your family, but it doesn't matter to God one bit what your family history is. What his word says is the truth. That's a fact. God's word can overcome the facts. Amen. So we're going to speak the truth in the face of the facts. And then laugh about it. Laugh at the devil's face. When he opposes me, ha, ha, ha. Nice try, chump. I know the truth. You're dealing in facts, but I know the truth, and you're subject to me. You know what makes anybody matter than, it makes somebody matter than nothing else is just laughing at him. Just laugh at him. You have authority over him. He don't have a place unless you give him a place. That's the only place he's got is what you've given him. Now go home and throw him out of it. You follow what I'm saying? Throw him out of it. Begin to dig in God's word and imagine what God's word says. And start speaking that word over your life. That's good, church. He spoke to me the first. I struggled with this message a lot because he gave me two messages this week. So I couldn't figure out which one he wanted me to preach. So anyway, I hope it meant something to somebody. You got something?